More TV superheroes, just what the world needs. Warning. DC on R&D, the Doom Patrol edition, contains adult language and discussions, as well as the occasional sexually explicit joke, and from time to time, some crude and off-color remarks. If you're easily offended, don't continue to listen. And then go fuck yourself. All right, welcome everyone to DC and RMD, the Doom Patrol edition. I am Michael Flores, your host, and I'm trying to crawl myself, crawl my way, climb my way. That's probably the better way of saying it. Climbing my way out of that dirty well. Even though Jane's down there, I feel like it's inappropriate. <laughs> you know, it's a, tra- a place of trauma. Very deep trauma. You know. All right, so I'm in the studio, of course, with David and Paul. Hello. Hello. It's taken everything in me to not ask why this song is happening. (laughs) High energy, Paul. We need it, Paul. We need it. All right, so we're here today to talk about season two, episode eight, Dad Patrol. Yeah, I like it. I guess talking through Reese's Pieces, peanut butter cups is a thing. I guess it's too hard to pick up a cell phone. Instead, you use magic to uh, talk through candy bars. <laughs> that was I, awesome. It didn't even click in my head that that was magic. I thought that was like some <laughs> stupid spy gear he got. Like, can you just eat those afterward? Well, I had to rewind it because you know how sometimes things, t- it's like a slow burn. It takes you a minute. And halfway through the conversation between Kipling and Niles, I'm like, wait a second. He opened, he didn't pull out a phone. He pulled out a candy bar. He thought. I so thought there I was going to re- be like a burner in there or something. <laughs> yeah. So I rewound and he, he it and I realized knew, he knew what to do and how to use it. it. <laughs> but it worked. It does it work. Yeah, David, I know it works. Those are the best. These are the best things about Doom Patrol. It's those little things that they don't draw attention to. You're just like, ah, okay. Niles, yeah. I'm going to need to call you about killing your daughter. Pick up your, pick up your peanut butter. Cups. For the <laughs> yeah. That's it's the only awesome. phone number I know. Make sure you got them. I also like how simple but fitting each episode title is this season. It's like Dad Patrol. Yeah, because it's about the dads. Makes sense. Keep it simple. And with that being the title, they, in fact, doubled down on the parenting aspect to focus on the dads specifically in this episode. And with that, they pulled the curtain way back and they definitely needed to. We're talking about the second to last episode here. Uh, there are still some things that we're not 100% about. We're not quite clear on everything, but we, I would say we get the gist of it all now. I mean, one in particular is the Jane Miranda slash K element under the pretense that the alters or personalities are simply moving on. Jane hits the road to face her demons. She wants to be useful because Jane is a real person. Right. She does have her own fears and wants, which I absolutely loved that aspect this week that they're making sure, even though Jane is real to us, we have watched her now for two seasons. I like that. They're stressing that these are people. These are in fact, people with dreams and wishes, and they're not simply tools to help k yes that's why they were designed but in a lot of ways they've evolved past that the fact that jane wants to be useful the fact that she goes to the place that all of them are afraid of so that she can be useful because that conversation between larry and jane was fantastic i don't want to fade away 
that that whole fucking conversation hit super hard for me because like that is that is a place that I'm in like all the fucking time. Yeah. Like I will I will actively volunteer immediately to do something I absolutely don't want to do for somebody because I need to feel useful. Like being here at nine thirty at night on a Friday. Yeah, I thought it was eight. I'm pretty tired. It's 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 the common it's the common it's the common thing that a lot of people have when it comes to self worth. Yeah. You know, like, and it's really relatable. That's what I loved about this episode. We're all fucking suicidal, aren't we? Because I also feel like that whole entire conversation was fucking relatable. It's so relatable because, and you don't have to have like a super traumatic past. Like say, for example, someone who is dealing with really clinical depression Mm -hmm. feels like this, but someone that basically isn't clinically depressed and is just basically a human being that questions his own self-worth. Who doesn't do that? Yeah. Okay. Who doesn't? So the takeaway here is if you watched that scene and you didn't feel rock to your core, you're not good for you. Shut up about it. Go away with your fucking complete perfect head on your shoulder mentality. Yeah, no, I agree that I think a lot of us do. You you guys are both spot on. I, I feel like that entire conversation was just and I love the aspect that you brought up, Dave, between clinical and just situational. Just situational. There's many of us that aren't clinically depressed, but because of life and circumstances and the fact that we've just been shit on for, you know, <laughs> years, we become not clinical, but situational. It's very different, but it, the effects are the same. And look at the look at the conversation. Look at the characters within the conversation. You have Larry who's dealing with his own problems, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he already is a character that has made no, no bare bones about it. He's Mm -hmm. basically said he is stuck in self-loathing. Yeah. Right. And he's the one that's talking to Jane about self-worth and she's actually understanding him, but they're from, you know, they're going through different situations right now. And, and, and to build off of that, the, his entire role in what they went to do was like him being what she was talking about. He was just doing something to feel useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had that whole monologue beforehand about how like fucking everything is terrible. Yeah. yeah. And it continues the, it, the thing I liked about that, it continued the narrative from the last episode about Larry coming to terms about making bad decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. And when he gets to the, the, the point in the beginning of this episode, where he was like, you know, fuck it. I don't care anymore. I'm going to do this regardless. And like him talking it out with Jane and talking about their self-worth and what each of them are going through is actually a really cool moment when we finally get to see, we start seeing the team coming together again, mm-hmm. especially well, different team ups too. Yeah. Different, different teams. Yeah. But we're, we're, we're seeing the team now coming together, which is what we need to do now because you know, Next episode is the season finale. Right. So they're bringing <laughs> so them together. They're bringing them together now, but it's not like hammer fisted in. No, it, it's it feels not, natural. It feels natural. Well, especially the way that they brought Jane and Larry together, which one, well, one of my favorite parts of the episode, it shows a lot of progress that Jane's made. You know, we talk about Larry and we talk about Rita uh, and Jane is so complicated, but and we've talked about everything that it means and what's going on, but we haven't really talked about Jane's progress and the fact that they made it the point. They made a point to show us that she's also progressed. The fact that she is walking around Doom Manor looking for someone to help her. This isn't a person that asks for help. This is a person that keeps everything on the inside, especially after 
the person that she did ask for help from, Niles, betrayed her. This is someone who doesn't want to look weak. She wants to look like she's completely in control. And the last thing she wants to do is ask anyone for assistance. And the fact that she was willing to say, all right, well, I need some help. And then she gets deterred because she sees that he's happy and that he's with his daughter. He's with his daughter. And then she walks out the door. I'm like, please don't go by yourself. Like, find someone else. And sure enough, that shows just how desperate and also how much she's grown that she's willing to go to the next person. Someone that she may not be as comfortable with and ask for assistance. Or Those are huge steps. Not huge, huge steps. I don't know. Not not try to somehow make the situation about herself and like try to get Cliff to go with her anyway. Right. Like, Which a year and a half ago, Jane probably would have done that. Well, it, it probably would have been because Cliff was goading her at this point. Now it's at a time when Cliff has kind of moved past what was in season one, where he was looking at Jane as the replacement of his daughter. Yeah. And that's true. He's in this season. It's about him moving forward, getting past what was in season one. And that's why it kind of hit. It it really hit me hard at that point because I really, uh, I personally related to Jane. When you get to that point, you go, okay, I need help. I need help. I'm going to go to the person that's been trying to give me help the whole time. But when I go to them, all of a sudden they've already moved on. Yeah. And it's, it, it, yep. it was so soul crushing because for me, that's a, that's a very personal moment for Jane. And it's a, it's a character growth moment that I've honestly been waiting for in regards to her. Because if you think about it, have we really had substantial character growth for Jane? Not the personalities, we're talking Jane herself. We have seen her go through a lot, but we yes. haven't had those very that specific Larry and Rita moments. We're like, haha, the switch ha-ha, turns. Uh, right. Whereas with her, because we're more, they're using her entire character arc to craft something a little bigger. It's more yeah. grander in scale. And because of that, we don't, we're not getting all the nuance. Not that there isn't there, but we're not getting the obvious nuance like we're getting with Larry and Rita in regards to taking steps, evolving, progressing. So you're right, Dave. Absolutely. Now, the big thing in this episode with Jane is that she decides to face her demons and she discovers <laughs> as she gets to the well that Miranda is indeed and in fact a very strong primary as we all witnessed back you know a few episodes ago and we have all got the idea that she is in complete control even to the point that when Kay was a child Miranda had defied the father and gained the strength to run that was the first reveal that Jane had discovered that Miranda was indeed very strong, that she should have been the primary because she's the one who stood up to the father and got the fuck out. And possibly if she didn't do that, they might not have survived. But this leads the audience to learning that Miranda is indeed a formidable foe. Yes. As it turns out, the altars are not moving on, but are being dropped in the well and killed. 
<laughs> by Miranda. I don't know what the fuck this means. I have no idea what this means. Dude, okay, so I've, I've, I I want to jump in. Okay. Yeah, Shut right. up about it. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> he uh, hasn't watched ahead, he promised. I haven't watched ahead, but <laughs> I have my theories. last week when I already watched next week's. <laughs> I haven't watched season three yet, I promise. <laughs> but, uh... Okay, so I mean, just just wrapping up the the copious amounts of bullshit. Yeah. Um, so everybody that we knew was dead that they threw in the well so they could recharge. Yeah, they still dead. They dead as hell. Right. Um, we we lost Lucy Fugue, which was the the real cool like electric power lady, mm-hmm. and that's like that's a bummer. It was fucking yeah. cool. Um. So I I think Miranda is like the the. Uh, kind of like the head of a cult or uh like a religious organization right yeah. so she is trying to you know uh using the message of you know i i do what's best for you know we all should but like i know what k wants that mm-hmm. is why i you know i always get everything done and why i get to be primary and i think people either respect that or feel guilted by it or whatever people being the other personalities. Yeah. Um, or, and so they, or they, they all, might be afraid of yeah, it. They all yeah. fall in line under her. Um, I think, I don't think Miranda gives a shit about Kay. I think Miranda wants to be Miranda. Yep. She wants to eliminate the other personalities, potentially including Kay so that Miranda exists as Miranda. Yeah. That was the question I was going to pose to you guys. Like, where do you think we go with this? Is Miranda just not, it, does Miranda even care about Kay at this point, or is she more about, hey, I am the one who got us out of this. I'm the strong one, and I should be the not only the primary, but I should be the solitary. It should be just me. Like that's my own thought internally. I don't think she's she's never going to say that. She's just going to eliminate all the other personalities so it, that she is the only one. Yeah. Well, if you think about it too, I mean, like Miranda, the way Miranda was created was. She was the one personality that was strong enough to run away. So she proved that she basically was in utter control of K. Yeah. She forced K into making this decision, right? Then when it comes out that basically she's been the one that's dumping the personalities in the well, I was like going, this fits the type of personality Miranda is. Miranda is the one that believes she is the one that's going to save Kay. This is her way of saving it because of all the problems that it's been having, having these multiple personalities in Kay, and it's causing this chaos inside of her. Chaos. Do you (laughs) think, though, Dave, that she even feels like at this point Kay even deserves to live this life? If she's not even able to... She honestly... If I have two two schools of thought of this, okay, go for them. The first school of thought is basically Kay is just a very strong primary, and basically, she, what she believes she's doing what's best Miranda. for or Miranda. Miranda. Very, okay, Miranda. Uh, Miranda is believing that she, what she's doing is the best for Kay. Okay, and regardless the other? of anybody else. And the other. Now the other is something that I really was starting to think about is Miranda rose from the well, right? Right. Season one, it's established that something dark was inside the well. Mm-hmm. And that was something about her father. 
Because remember the puzzle pieces and then the yes. really creepy scene of the hand coming out. Well, I mean, shit, the, the opening of this episode, we figure out why the well is such a terrible fucking it's a, place. Yeah. Terrible place. Part of me feels that's not Miranda. Hmm. That's actually the remnants of Jane's personification of her father. Okay, so you and I, during our first season discussion, if you remember, Dave, we had talked about yes. the well and why the father's connected to this well. Uh, yes, we do get that clarification that he pretty much just imprisoned his daughter in that well, but that we had well. also thought maybe his attachment to the well is that she had killed him finally and threw him down there, and that's where in the underground he resides, right? Yes. We also have to remember, unless I miss something, last season, the sisters, the three sisters, were the ones that were known to give advice to any personalities within the underground who seek it, and anyone who was asking the questions that they weren't prepared to answer because of trauma and not wanting to deal with it head on, what did they do? They sent them to the, to the well, well to fall down and die. Yes. So how does this work into this new reveal that Miranda is dropping people into the well? Yeah. And especially since Miranda emerged from the well originally. And if you go back to the, I have the wiki, cause I, I wanted to make sure I didn't get this incorrect, but according to the wiki for last season, the sisters gave advice, which was to be, I, this is written poorly. Um, when Jane, the current personality, sought help, the sisters gave the same advice, which was to be seeking out the well where they will ultimately be destroyed. So obviously the well has some ability to kill them. Yes. And Miranda has somehow risen from that watery grave and now is using whatever properties that the, okay. the mental mind state of Jane or Kay has created. Kay has created. So, so every other, every other personality is tied to Kay's memory and fear of being in the bucket. Yes. You don't leave the bucket, you'll drown. Yeah. You go down the well, you die. Miranda's the one who climbed out. Right. So mm-hmm. it would make sense that she's the one that rises from. So it's not as complicated as it sounds. It actually makes sense now that we're saying it yeah. out loud. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think the Miranda personality is more of a, I don't know, more like sociopath ish. Yeah. I think she's just entirely in it for herself. I don't think she cares about Kay. Or I agree. Anything else. I because absolutely agree. And she might even be uh, an anomaly, like a personality now at this point that shouldn't even exist. The fact that she went to that well and died and she was able to resurrect she, herself. She ran away. That was her purpose. That was her purpose. She is the one that should be like healed and gone and gone. And that's why, that's why I'm really torn because as I said, I have two theories on this, but I don't know which one's real or which one is, is the one that is no theories are real. Well, (laughs) but like by definition, by definition, they're theories, they're theories. (laughs) Thank you. But I just can't, I'm trying to figure out, if Miranda is that powerful, why haven't we seen it, seen that? I think she's not as powerful as we're giving her credit for. I feel like she's just a very dominant personality. Um, if you look at the textbooks for disassociative um, syndrome, I think that's that's the attack. The textbook term for multiple personalities, I believe. DID, disassociative DID. identity disorder. Yeah, there we go. 
there there have been numerous accounts where there are personalities that are that are bad that are intent on destroying or silencing the other personalities like this isn't a new thing this is actually yeah. something that happens in the real world where they have to be completely controlled by an outside source through medical help medical assistance because they're dangerous they want to kill and destroy not just the other personalities but sometimes the actual person who is the real identity the real person well uh, uh a uh movie that actually did this brilliantly i me uh, i know you're familiar with it mike is split oh yeah and split pretty much explained did and that's what i see in jane is kind of like is miranda the beast do you know what i mean mike yeah where the beast was like the 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 one personality in uh, i forgot the character's name in split yeah that was the protector yeah he would protect all the personalities no matter the cost and he had superhero strength. He would tear people to shreds because he was the beast. He was the strongest of the personalities. Is that what we're seeing with Miranda? Yeah. I mean, it could also be a, a scenario from that movie Identity with John Cusack. Where, I don't yeah. know if you ever watched that film. Great fucking psychological thriller slash horror film. Awesome twist. Yeah, it's I could see something like that happening as well. So we'll see. We definitely now know at least that Miranda is not. She's not doing anything for the greater good at this point. No. If she's killing personalities for whatever reason. And I feel sad ultimately for Jane. Kay has the other personalities to care for her. She's sheltered. But then you have someone like Jane who is already dealing with betrayal this season. And now the place that she should feel safe, the underground with her sisters. She's not safe. She's not even safe there. Like, and I guarantee you that well, this aspect is going to play a big part for Jane during season three. Oh, and this is, this is after she, you know, she goes to her most uncomfortable place, her place of trauma. Yeah. Physically, she goes there. She, you know, she accomplishes her little mission. She, she gets the rabbit back for Kay. Um, she goes back, she talks to Miranda. She, you know, again, another piece of character growth. We see her give the rabbit to Miranda to give to Kay because she thinks that will be more impactful. And then this happens to her. Yeah, that I thought that was the darkest twist, seeing Miranda actually show her true colors and just toss toss the, uh, I think, it, uh, they call it Harry. What? I, the I'm trying to the rabbit. Oh yeah, yeah, Harry. Yeah, yeah. The, the, they tossed the poor rabbit down the well, and I was like, "Oh, Miranda's a bitch." Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Another girl that battles internal demons in this episode. This one are literal demons, essentially. Dorothy comes face to face with what is apparently her destiny this entire time, according to Kipling. And I know you got giddy, David. He. According to Kipling, the fauna and flora have been whispering of a cataclysmic event within nature. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. <laughs> flora, that's Swamp Thing, right? Yep. Dude, <laughs> that's the green. <laughs> Why didn't we get a fucking Swamp Thing scene? Even if it's just like a plant that moved and was and was like communing with Kipling. I was Kipling. waiting. So I was, was I, waiting. Dude. I was waiting for it because this is the reason why... In Doom Patrol, Kipling was supposed to be Constantine because Constantine and Swamp Thing mm -hmm. worked together like the ultimate duo. 
So when they mentioned that, I'm like going, please, yeah. please have Swamp yep. Thing show up. Well, dude, that would be so awesome. Even if they don't show him, I want to give credit to the writers over at Doom Patrol. Because not only are they just great writers putting together a fantastic you know, piece of television, but also, Dave, they are really being sincere to the DC comic book world and how it works. I had mentioned that with the very during the very first episode discussion about the cost of magic. But now the fact that they even bring up elements and they've done this throughout every single episode this year. There are subtle elements that resonate within the DC world. They don't draw a lot of attention to it, but you can tell the writers actually are not just simply reading Doom Patrol. And they're like, yeah, we're going to adapt this and we're good writers, so we're going to neglect this. We don't worry about that. We just are going to focus on story. No, they're bringing the nuances of the DC universe and how things work within this universe. The fact that they choose to use elements like or use descriptives like fauna and flora just shows an understanding for DC Comics as a whole. And they've done this throughout the entire season. And as a DC comic book fan, I am grateful and happy that they're doing things like that because it shows an element of respect because there are tons of DC TV shows that don't do that. They just kind of hit the hot points, things that you would expect that are relevant to, say, Arrow in the Arrowverse or the Flash. They don't actually spend time with little elements that they may not ever go back to that make the world feel sincere to DC comics. Does that, does that make sense? Oh no. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that makes doom patrol really awesome is because like in season one, they really pay homage to the source material. And that's the one thing that I have constantly been so grateful for because like not, not, not a lot of, superhero shows do that and i understand why because there's so much logistics that are in it there's there's a lot of paperwork that they have to cut through to do it however but it doesn't take a lot of effort it to doesn't throw take a lot in of little things to make them show the audience that they actually should be writing a like dc this. tv show literally one line yeah has had you two talking yeah and, you know, not, obviously not complaining. I'm just not super versed in Swamp Thing. But one line has had you two talking for, yeah. like, at least five minutes now. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's it's not hard. It's not that hard. And, it, you know, I hate shitting on them. All right? I really do. No, you don't. But <laughs> when, I, when, I see, when I see, like, them do the stuff like this in one line, and then I go to CW. Yeah. And I go... Can't you give me something? Well, Dave, the, the only <laughs> things they bring up are either for the point of creating a, a flashy trend on Twitter. Like, oh, my God, they mentioned Dr. Fate or, hey, Dr. Fate's helmet. <laughs> Great. Or it's relevant to the immediate story. They don't just have something embedded very organically like Doom Patrol does just because they want to feel sincere to the world of DC. It's yes. like, hey, we're going to introduce this because we're going to talk about it right now and we're going to use it right now in this immediate episode. And that's the reason why. It's, it's, it's like why in Doom Patrol, I feel Cyborg, this is the best rendition of Cyborg because yeah. what do they do? They just use one little line. Hey, talk about Justice League. Talk about his connection there. Yeah. And that's all you got to do. And they leave it alone. And they leave it alone. But they make it part of Cyborg's story. And suddenly, you know, you look at this and it's like you take a character who, let's let's face it, 
before we started Doom Patrol, Cyborg was not very popular. Uh, well, I'm not a Cyborg fan, period. I like yeah. this Cyborg. This yeah. Cyborg is fantastic. Well, and and again, part of that is, you know, is his origin drastically different? Like, not not really, really. But they delve into the trauma and, you know, him trying to overcome it, become a hero. And, you know, the whole thing that this whole show is about for almost all the characters. Yeah. Um, rather than just like... Lab exploded. I'm robot now. Let's fight. <laughs> Let's fight. Yeah, they take his origin story because you're right. They don't really change his origin story. He's essentially the same, but they just flesh it out to make it more interesting, more relatable. And, and that's just enough to they still they don't they don't disrespect what came before. They use what came before and just like, all right, we're going to space this out, explain it, make it work within our show. But but Going again to like the, the the scene that you brought up, my God, I would love at this point for them to bring in guest appearances from other. I'm not gonna say other shows, yeah, but at least other comic book characters. They could do it, I, but we have to be careful. We're dealing with nine episodes right now. Yeah, yeah. I hate. I hate that. You know, the the one thing I really hate about us recording these at a, you know, watching and recording this at a bit of a delay is that, so like right now, having just watched episode eight in my mind, you know, maybe Candlemaker's a real badass. Maybe they do bring in Swamp Thing for episode nine. Maybe at least we see him. But I would have read about that shit on the internet like two weeks, <laughs> two ago, weeks ago if it happened. So yeah. Although I know you it say, doesn't. You, the internet would have exploded. Yeah, I would have gotten about like a thousand that. tweets from our Hellblazer account. Or Guaranteed. Like, like, oh my god, Swap, they could do patrol. I'm like, thank you for ruining that. It. <laughs> and thank you for also ruining it by not tweeting me. Because now I know he's not in it. <laughs> so let's move over to Niles. Niles' cave woman lover appears to be in on whatever is at play. Perhaps she never even cared about Niles. Possibly she was using him to have a child that would end up being a portal or gateway to unleash this candle maker curse on the world. I mean, that feels kind of the direction we're going. Does anyone else feel that way? Or do you have a different thought on that? Quick timeout is, is the, the, the lady, I guess, holding the red boots that, that was the same lady. I, I feel it's like a different actress, but it's supposed to be her mother. Yeah. It's supposed okay. to be her mother. Yeah. Why is he, it a different actress? It was the same season. Uh, no, no, second, no, no, no. First, no, season. no first, season. first season was the cave woman. The was cave it? woman. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the the, Shit, the I thought that was like the first. That's what happens when you watch you because you watched the first season last year, but then you rewatched it back to back with, back the, to second with season, the second season, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the the it really does make me go back and look at that scene with the whole story arc of with Niles, Niles and yeah. the cave woman and looks at it differently now. Yeah, because it makes you I, look at it differently when now. when I rewatch it now. I'm like going, well, wait a minute. Why was she so attached to Niles? Yeah. What drew her to Niles just like that? Especially like him snap. being such not a great person, kind of a shitty person. Why would someone who's so in touch with nature, nature and peaceful protect him? It, on, yeah. the, on the other hand, how does this like bearded furry lady <laughs> seduce <laughs> Timothy <laughs> Dalton <laughs> Into having a kid so she right. can end the world. Yeah. Well, well, if you're stuck in a cave for, we don't know how long. David Dalton leaves the cave. <laughs> David said this. This was his excuse during the first season discussion. I was like, Dave, 
We're talking about James Bond here, Timothy Dalton. This guy can plow chicks, Neville guaranteed. fucking Sinclair. Yeah, like, come on, he can do it. He's all, yeah, but when you're stuck in a cave for and you're, years. And you're wounded. You're stuck in a cave, you leave the cave. <laughs> and you're wounded. And hey, later on, he becomes almost, like, he becomes wheelchair bound. I, I like how you're still <laughs> defending that argument. Have you fucked a, a bearded lady in a cave before, Dave? Do you want to come clean here? Is, it was is, a long three hours. <laughs> I was, I was so alone back then <laughs> i hate you dave <laughs> all right so all i have to say is that whatever happens with this candle maker situation i have to see kimpling fight with the doom patrol they set it up <laughs> he's there i'll be so disappointed I-, I will be a little disappointed i need to see him do some magic i mean last season we had him fighting with a fire a flame sword this year we have got to see him do some magic with the do patrol team dave i have a question for you okay is there a kipling comic no how the fuck do we not have a kipling comic very easily because unfortunately kipling the the problem with doom patrol because he only is seen in doom patrol the comic and right. even even today with the young animal animal run and he was only created because he of was john only constantine because was not of john available. constantine was not available and unfortunately when you kind of look at him in the comics he's a stand in for constantine yeah but they can do something so, with this version of kipling this I, is a very different version of kipling yeah. the way his magic works well, how 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 much was Kipling actually even in the comics? Like, in the comics? Yeah. Only in only in Doom Patrol. Only I know, in, but, but how like many, do you know? every issue or like once an arc or like nine issues total? Uh, it's really hard to say, but he's been in it for, he's been a, a handful of for times. The team, a handful of times. Yeah. Because like he's, he's only shown up in the Doom Patrol universe. See, I, I feel like because Doom Patrol has definitely the popularity has definitely gone up when they switched over to HBO max. I know this for a fact, just simply based on our podcast ratings and numbers, we've gone way up and that's because of the fact that it's on HBO max. I have to think that there is something in the future for that character oh, for um, Kipling. Oh, you there has to be between the writers for the show and then Mark Shepard, you know, being, being that guy, being yeah. Mark Shepard. <laughs> I have to think that, the DC publishing world is thinking something eventually could happen with him. I mean, how can you not take advantage of this character make a, he is, in my opinion, he does come off as different than John Constantine. Oh, yeah. And also we, it's very obvious. Anyone who reads DC comics, there are various different magical characters and different magicians that are used throughout DC comics. So there's definitely room to have more than one, Magician. Magician. Yeah. Because or is there? Black Label presents Kipling versus Constantine. <laughs> Colin loves some magic. I would watch that. Or I would read the fuck out of that, dude. With guest starring Tom Willoughby. <laughs> Written by Tom King. Mm. Mm. Yeah? Oops. No. <laughs> listen to Cancel the, that book. Listen to the Wayne Talk to understand that joke. <laughs> the Wayne Talk podcast. Any of them. It comes up. <laughs> yeah, literally every single discussion. But you bring up a really valid point, Mike. I mean, the problem, the main problem comic book wise, if you read him in the comic, he's just, he's not as, he's not as bombastic as he's portrayed he's in interesting. here. That's why a word of warning to Doom Patrol fans that listen to us right oh. now. I want to actually li- word read of the warning. Look at you. Oh, the, the 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 comic the the way the comic portrays the characters are vastly different. Yeah. Um 
Kipling in regard in regards to Kipling, he's completely different. Oh, like if they would they would take this Kipling and put him in the comics, I agree. Make a freaking comic book on him. Yeah. Because it would be almost the polar opposite of Constantine. Yeah, it's very different. It's very different, especially the way he uses the chaos magic. Yep. So before we move on from Candlemaker, can we just take a moment to appreciate the amazing visual effects? Dude, it's, it's on the dress or Oh, Candlemaker. <laughs> <You have> to... <laughs> <laughs> on the dress. Yes, of Candlemaker. <laughs> Every time he's in a scene, I have to pause it. I'm not joking. I pause it and I get close to my TV. And it's because I'm a visual effects, you know, fanboy. I love visual effects. I've dabbled numerous times. And I pause it and I look at the render job. It is amazing. And it makes me wonder, is this the reason why we haven't gotten more action this season? Because they wanted to save that budget for these sequences? And if so... I'm okay with that because also, also like depending on how, how soon, I mean, they, they hadn't finished filming, so they knew early on that there were only going to be nine episodes. So I think, yeah, exactly what you're saying. They, they were comfortable with, um, you know, spacing things mm-hmm. out and like, you know, we don't need to, it's not 13 episodes. We don't have to throw a big action scene in the middle somewhere. We could just save it all for the end. Yeah. And I, of course I love the, the allusions to, Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz, which we haven't really spoken about that or <laughs> talked about that at all. Very, and I don't think have we talked about it at all yet. No, we have. I mean, obviously, the there's character, so many elements that we haven't discussed. There's a lot, and a few things that I just thought was worthy of mentioning when it comes to Dorothy. Little nods to that fairy tale, which is a dark fairy tale, and when she put on those moccasin shoes and she did the. <laughs> click click yeah i'm like like this is my shoe yeah i really dug it i just love the metaphors it's fantastic i'm glad i know after the last two episodes i was a little listeners might have thought i was going a little down on the show and yes it did hit a bit of a a, slowed down in places that i thought that they should have sped up but going into this episode and watching it all the way through everything really worked. I mean, even the stuff with cyborg, I mean, the fact that he had to face the facts that his girl ain't a good one. I mean, she's bad. She gained just a bit of power <laughs> and she's out seeking revenge. Yep. Well, okay. So time out though. Cause like granted, yeah, her, like her body, I guess, isn't totally fucked anymore. That enlightenment helped a lot with that. Mm-hmm. But like also if, you know, if something like real bad happened to you or even like someone you knew mm-hmm. and you like suddenly gained the knowledge of like who was involved, like everyone who was involved. And like, I guess also had the, the physical ability to do something about it. Like, are you going to not? No, I'm not judging her from, okay. So if we're talking about me personally in my world, let's stay closer what, to comics here what did you I'm, do when they put in and then surgically removed the the implants if you want to know who, what type of person i am i'm like the punisher for marvel comics <laughs> if someone killed my family He's i'm going gonna to murder every single one of you and n- none of these little talks of 
but if you kill them, you're going to be just as bad as them. Good. Yeah, there's <laughs> one of me and there's seven less of them, them now. now. The world still balances. Yeah, in my brain, in my world, that's exactly what I would do. And I would never judge anyone that took revenge when they were done wrong. Murder, maiming. Absolutely. I would never judge you. I would be like, good for you. Take your take your revenge. Just there are going to be consequences for that revenge, but you deserve that revenge. That's true. But it's when it comes to Ronnie, I don't think she's a bad person, but she's also making the decisions that aren't necessarily superhero. We're being painted into this world to accept that we're in a we're in a superhero world. And in the superhero world, there are things you do and things things you don't do. Because and there's she a cross that line, which you yeah. know that. Yeah, like she definitely crossed that line, especially if we're, if we're talking about Cliff and Ronnie, Cliff would be like, all right, kill the fucker. <laughs> but we're talking about Cyborg. Yeah. He's yeah. a true superhero. He isn't an anti hero. He, he is a superhero. Because you got to always remember Cyborg, the end of the day. He's, he's on that life plan. He's on, well, yeah, he's on that <laughs> life plan. But he wants to be part of the Justice yeah. League. That's and his in, life plan. And in the, and, and in the, and DC in the DC universe to be part of the justice league, you have to be gods among men and it being a God, you have to be benevolent. So yeah, it's like, like what you said, Paul, the thing that makes it really compelling for me, especially with Ronnie is we all understand her. We understand her motivation. Right. Contextually, we get it. We get it. Subjectively as I a get human it. being, makes sense right but then you look at cyborg cyborg is is very metaphorically he's split not just as a machine and a man but as a as a superhero well, and a he's human black being. and white yeah he's very Where, much black and white black and silver he he's like i understand ronnie as a human being but still at the end of the day i want to be shoulder to shoulder with a guy like superman mm-hmm. You can't make decisions like basically taking revenge because revenge morally is, yeah. is wrong. It, I mean, he, he tells her he can't let her go. And then, you know, they altercate a little bit. And like he could have blopped her with the <laughs> booyah, but. which says a lot about him. And I'm not quite sure how to take that. Are they trying to show us that he's also making progress, that he's not so rigid in his line of thinking that he's not so judgmental because they definitely made it a point to lay that on the audience that he's a bit judgy so oh, are is. they trying to show us that he's also making progress or are they showing us that he done fucked up no i think it's showing progress. i'm not quite sure what what they were exactly trying to say with that scene did it work for cyborg and his journey especially after the last episode dumb patrol where they were specifically warned hey you guys should not be together and you did it anyways, and look what happened. Well, it's more. Well, it's I mean, more, it's more. She didn't go kill those guys because they were still together. Yeah, but it probably <laughs> made the situation a little bit harder for Cyborg. But to do. I think what we've learned, David, in this episode is that don't mess with Paul because he Paul. will justify he will killing just, people. But like, there's more. No matter to, what, there's more to Cyborg's story than just Ronnie. Because like, we also have to understand that, just like what you alluded to, Mike, mm-hmm. Cyborg's story is is about him. And in season one, what is the one thing he was constantly doing? He was going, being judgmental towards everyone in the team. Right. 
thinking that they're idiots until you this realize is, he's just like how them. many times how many times did we make fun of the fact mike in the very beginning of season one he's the one that's leading the team meetings <laughs> and trying to be like we need to do this blah, blah, blah. this right. is the, the this is the proper protocol yeah and then on top of that you have the scene with him doing tinder <laughs> and he's flipping what is he doing he's being judgmental on everybody saying yeah, yeah, oh yeah, i'm not yeah. i don't i don't i don't want to deal with that she's person. not even the third robot she, yeah and Swipe. like you get to this and that's why while I feel this season cyborg story's gotten a little convoluted. It's been a little messy. Okay. Hold on. It's not, let me listen. I, I agree with you. I know where you're going. It's not convoluted. It just needs to circle back soon. It circles back and it's, it's kind of its to. own little thing because for the most part, everyone's dealing with family issues. They're dealing with parents and problems pertaining to dads, essentially. Yeah. Whereas Cyborg, he's off on his own thing, dealing with his own struggle. And they did introduce the dad element again and reminded us, but it was kind of an afterthought. It- I, I I think it's okay, though, because, like, majority of his story in the first season already was dad stuff. Yeah. So they don't need to, like, reiterate on that yeah. further. Yeah. And that's why... But, here, but do you agree really fast? I'm sorry, Dave. I don't mean to keep no, cutting no, no, you off. Ahead. But do you think, though, Paul, that they need Do you think they've kind of veered too far away to the main theme of the season when it comes to everyone else? And do you think they need to bring it back or do you think it's OK right now? In in general, I think that we do we do need to get somewhere or, or at least see something with him letting Ronnie go. If we just like don't hear from her again because she killed who she needed to kill and like now she's OK. Yeah. Like, you know, she still did a bad thing. But if she's not still out in the world doing more bad things. Cool. It was probably the right call. Mm -hmm. If we hear about her, you know, early next season or even, you know, in the next episode, like, oh, she's still out there murdering people. Then, you know, oh, it's probably a bad call. You maybe shouldn't have let her go. Um, I think in general, though, his story has been like, like David said, not necessarily messy, but it it has been a back and forth. It's been a big mixed bag of bits and pieces to like stray away from the very black and white nature of right her. because with everyone else with jane rita cliff niles dorothy larry we see how they all connect and click together with their problems where cyborg yes may have similar issues but his story is not really in sync thematically with mm-hmm. with theirs it's gone so far to the right or to the left that i'm waiting or it's like dealing with something completely different. Yeah, so I'm waiting for it to come back. So I totally get what you're saying, Dave. I don't know. If maybe I'm. Maybe you're being honest, and I'm being too nice. Maybe it is messy or convoluted. I think ultimately, though, we can't definitively say until we see what they do. What's the lead with the final episode? Yes. Because if they don't bring this back, because at the end of end of the day what does it do like we can look at cliff's story and say okay we can see what this does for the overall doom patrol story we can see what rita story is going to do we can see what jane is going to do and how the underground is probably going to end up shaping into something a lot bigger down the road uh we have um larry we understand that but with cyborg we're still waiting for it to to click i, I to think come it's, back i think it's pretty easy to tell cyborg is going to gain um a lot of insight on like other people's perspectives and when it's time to fight the candle maker he'll probably side with him <laughs> you know he's not that bad of a person see you guys you had me for a second i was like <laughs> you said that so, you said that oh, so straight trash. faced i was like what like what 
watch it happen now. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else you want to say about Cyborg before we move on, Dave? Mm, that's the tough part is I, I, I'm 100% with you. It's kind of like it's going to be interesting to see where his story, what is the point of his story? Yeah, because I, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I dig the guy's story. I feel like the actor that plays Cyborg is truly fantastic. He's really good. And I am engrossed in his story. But from a writing perspective, as a critic, you do have to ask, where is it going? Where is it going? Now, it could be something that was meant to just bring Rita along so that we can for example, the moments where we're asking, where did this, where is this going with Cyborg? Where if you look at how they hacked Rita onto his story in this episode, we can shrug and say, well, is this the reason why? Was it designed to show that Rita is still trying to pursue this crime fighting kick so that we can then realize that even though she feels like she's confident at the end of the day, when she had an opportunity to save someone or at least make a difference when it comes to Ronnie, what does she do? She doesn't even have the courage to do a thing. In fact, she's frozen. I, I, like I, I feel like that whole, that whole situation, that whole confrontation was like kind of, I don't know. It was, it was, it was awkward, honestly, because like she, like she knows that cyborg and her had, you know, had a relationship had relations. Um, <laughs> She, you know, she she knows that Cyborg was talking to her inside. Mm-hmm. She may or may not have heard a little bit of the scuffle that right. happened. And then she could see him still on the floor with his arm cannon drawn, like just through the open doorway when Ronnie was leaving. Like, how do you, how, maybe she just didn't know what to do. Well, think well, about, I mean, Cyborg's okay. letting well, her go. So should I stop her? No, but not. you're right. Like yeah. she, I, even if it's, let's say we go down your route, it's still kind of the same thing. She doesn't know what to do. Do I interfere? Am I going to do the right thing? Or am I going to make a poor decision? Because what I got was that she knew she needed to stop this woman. She heard the conversation. She murdered someone. And the superhero thing to do, according to her and how she views superheroes at this time, they should stop a murderer. A murderer. And again, knowing that Cyborg may not be strong enough to do it because he obviously loves Ronnie, he cares for her, then perhaps she should have been the one to do the job that Cyborg couldn't do. That's what I got from that. I'm sure it'll be more clear when we watch the next episode. Well, especially especially you would take it into take it into part of the equation that last time we saw Rita. Rita did a, this superhero thing and Stop that mugger, remember? Mm-hmm. You know, or that carjacker. I think it was a carjacker. It was, it was a mugger. It was a mugger. It and doesn't matter. They were in an alley. Give me your wallet. Stretch punch. Stretch punch. <laughs> but like, so she had that superhero moment, but when she's confronted by, honestly, a bigger threat. Well, yeah, because who knows what the <laughs> hell Ronnie could have done to her. A bigger threat. Yeah. That's different. Well, that you're right, Dave. And that's like, that's the best. Yeah. And like when you... When you look at Rita, I, I saw that moment as a slap of reality in Rita's face. Saying, like reality was telling her, you want to be a superhero? Yeah. This is what it means to be a superhero. It's, 
it's, it's more than just going out and stopping a robbery. It's making hard calls. It's making hard calls. And facing your fears. Because if facing you look, your fear, yeah. Because when you look at everything they were doing this episode, fear seemed like a big driving force for a lot of our characters this episode. You had Rita. Again, if you want to look at it this way, afraid to actually act when the scenario is much intense, when the stakes are much higher. You have Jane, who had to actually physically face a fear from childhood trauma. Yeah. You had Niles facing the reality that he has to kill his daughter or face the destruction of the world. Shoot, even in a smaller scale, you could even look at Cliff's story. Absolutely. He faced his fear of basically... The the one thing for two seasons that he's been like beating himself over that saying like, oh, I can't face my daughter because she's going to think I'm a monster. And suddenly, bang, you know, you got to face it because she's right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the, the, the Rita, Rita and Cyborg Victor, whatever. Rita and that other robot guy, <laughs> the, the one who doesn't cuss too much, whatever. His the name one is. who says booyah. Um, Having them paired up, I just like the more I see it, the more I like it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, you know, you're you're taking this character who was very, you know, very rigid, very black mm-hmm. and white, and is kind of like slowly becoming gray through the season, and pairing them with this character that was like gray at best and is trying yeah. to become this like rigid black and white, you know, hero type, or at least what she thinks she it wants should be. to be, yeah. And it's you you pointing out that like when Cyborg first showed up in the first season, he was holding these team meetings, he was trying to organize everything. And that is exactly what Rita did at the beginning of yep. this season was, you know, just straight up try to follow in his footsteps, take his lead and it's come full circle. It's come mm-hmm. full circle. Yeah. I like it. And Dave, you brought up the aspect of Cliff. Even he had to face his fear. And you're right. That's absolutely something he had to do. And at least it looks like it went well for Cliff. Seems I like, hope. It seems like things are going well for him. And I really want it to work out for him <laughs> and yeah. his daughter. But I have a strange feeling, knowing the show, that something awful is going to happen. Well, especially the finger moment. When he's cooking. <laughs> yeah. <it's- laughs> and I'm like, going, oh, wait, shouldn't. No, I feel okay. like he should have said, oh, darn it. I burnt the sausages and then threw them away. <laughs> threw them away, But he doesn't say anything. No. Well, he doesn't want to scare his daughter away. Hey, I have a finger in my, uh, <laughs> in my pocket. Food. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> are we are so are we going to see it come back in that coffee pot later? Because that wasn't addressed. <laughs> <laughs> so setting aside the fears of what could happen for a second, it was nice to see the writers give Cliff a bit of a win. Yeah, he absolutely he needed, needed one. He did. This whole season, I mean, let's not even bring up the first season, but specifically the elements in this season. It's just been one bashing plop of shit after another <laughs> just handed to him and allowing him to make a difference in his daughter's life even in the simplest of ways was some of the best things you could have done for this character the fact that the writers allowed him to offer her honestly some pretty good advice i mean telling her not to run whenever you feel like or think that you should run stay i mean that is good fatherly advice giving her a and bit of confidence, the confidence that she needed so that she's not afraid of commitment or fucking up her life. Do you guys realize that this is the first true moment in like 
season one and season two that we had a father do something good. Yeah. Because Cliff does the this is at this, least where it doesn't end poorly. Where it doesn't end poorly. Yeah. You know, because oh, yeah, we, we haven't seen how it ends yet. We uh, we've well, always had this episode. Because I think I think the like Larry and his son that that little scene was like pretty solid, but it ended really badly. And it, oh, when you're you talking about Larry and his young son. Yeah, yeah. But in, when you th- in this episode, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. In this in this episode, yes. In this in this yeah. episode, and they needed to do that because we started getting the impression that he was just kind of a shitty dad like he was just like fuck this model you made so the fact that they took a second to say no he wasn't always overly aggressive, aggressive. Like, he, who made this shit ass spaceship your son did no son so of mine my- made this shit ass <laughs> spaceship yeah so i i do like i did like that that they showed him that he is he does have a soft side that he's not always so you know, dickish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, Tell at least- him I threw it away, and I'm going to die in space. <laughs> uh, so, Dave, what were you saying about Cliff? But like that—that's the thing about this whole season. Everyone's had their superhero moment. You've had Rita have her superhero moment. You had Larry have his super mo- superhero moment. Cliff is the one that basically. We truly need that kind of like, yeah, this is a win. This is a superhero moment. This is actually two episodes in a row now that he's done some good. You had the whole thing with Dorothy, which was. But it got thrown in his face when he got thrown out. But isn't it nice to see that he actually did not overreact? Yes, he was walking back to Doom Manor after being thrown out of a spaceship, cussing every five seconds. But ultimately, it was almost like he needed that long trek home to work through <laughs> to work his through issues yeah. to the point that he could actually give his daughter good advice. good advice. I almost feel like if he didn't go through that pain of being thrown out the spaceship and doing that long trek home, that maybe he might not have been able to have the mental capacity or the empathy to be this good of a father. No, you are on. You're a hundred percent on mark. I think they brought up Niles at least twice while he was talking to his daughter, and he didn't even say he was going to kill the guy yeah. Once. <laughs> once. Yeah, he said he's not going to allow him to ruin this. So yeah, a lot of great things. This does take us to the end of the show. We are at an hour. That was a very quick. It felt very fast today. Um, let's start with you today, David. Give me uh, in 30 seconds or less. Give me your final thoughts as well as your RMD score. Final thoughts on this episode. This episode was really good. I mean, I've been iffy throughout the season, like up and down with my scores. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that episode eight is probably one of the most solid episodes we've gotten. And I'm really happy that we get it r- right where it is. This is the perfect spot for it because we have the season finale coming up next week and or the next episode for us. Two weeks ago. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks ago. But like in regards of story flow, this is the perfect spot for this type of episode. This this was a good penultimate episode. Yeah, a penultimate episode. You know, like they they used that uh, title – for last season for the for the second to last one and this feels like it is a true penultimate episode yeah so what's your percentage my final percentage for this one it is a 92 i really liked it all right i dug it paul um i mean so david made good points so i'll just make different ones beekeeper and borg was fun loved it that was funny um 
I have to say that when they were at the gas station, the pump said, please pay inside. And then Niles sent her in to buy candies as a distraction. He had already been inside to pay for the gas. Well, he wanted to get rid of her. Like, hey, leave. I got to talk on these Reese's Pieces. <laughs> peanut butter cup. cups. Buy me some candy. This one's a phone. <laughs> but Dad, you already have some candy. <laughs> It's not for consumption. This is the one I'm using to plot your death. Now get the fuck out of here. I need this for daddy time. But uh, but that, you know, whatever. That that aside, um, I thought that the whole gas station scene with, I mean, it was fucking awkward as shit at first because I'm a man and have dumb perspectives. But this, her being in the stall and having the, uh, the attendant, like, come in and that whole scene I thought was, like, really well done. Um, it was, you know, It was good. hard touching. She was, and... Like, aside from the fact that it was very bad for the story, for Niles not knowing what just happened yep. and everything that was about to immediately happen at the fair. Um, but, you know, whatever. I thought I thought the scene and the way it was handled and, like, that that kind of wholesome experience with, you know, another woman, because who the fuck knows how much she worked with her mom. Yeah. Anyway, it was good. Um, so I'm going to also do a 92, because uh, I really I really like this episode, and I'm, I'm, I like where it left us, and I'm jazzed to see the finale. All right, I'm going to give this a 94%. I enjoyed the hell out of the episode. And just to add to what you were talking about, Paul, about the whole scene between Dorothy and the convenience store clerk, I felt like that was such a a beautiful moment because for a lot of reasons. It was heart-touching. It was much needed. Yes, it does a lot in the way of story and the fact that she has now entered into womanhood. But also, it just says so much about her as an individual and how... Niles truly has no idea about his daughter. He doesn't know his daughter. The fact that she has had to raise herself, the fact that she has to get advice on something as simple and a part of life as starting your menstrual cycle, that you have to get the advice from a stranger because Mm -hmm. her father is not available. Her father is not able to help her. She's not comfortable enough to speak to her father about something that she should feel open about talking to him about. I mean, that whole moment just stressed the point that she has been neglected her entire existence. Well, not, and not just by Niles also, but it also shows the neglection of everybody else in due manner, because you got to remember this whole season, we've had moments of various female characters Dealing with Dorothy and trying to give her advice and failing miserably. Yeah. Rita tries it and it blows up in her face. Jane tries it in a weird way. Well, to be fair, Jane did try to kill Dorothy. Yeah. But still, there's that interaction of, hey, we're trying to actually communicate with Dorothy and try to understand her. But it blows up in everybody's face because no one really understands dorothy yeah and no one listens to her that's the tragedy of dorothy's story that she is completely isolated even when she's not alone yeah and no one listens to her yeah all right so this does bring us to an end i want to thank everyone for listening you can find all of our shows on demand past and present on itunes google play spotify and stitcher just search dc on rmd or the doom patrol edition thank you david thank you thank you paul see you Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now comes their reckoning. They lashed their whips at you, dear Lord. And now they will be lashed with eternal flame. I have been faithful unto death.
Tony's side. Yes! I am ready for the 